Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 259 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. I can't believe we're at 259. We're almost to the sixes, and you know six is my lucky favorite number. So It's also next week is our five-year birthday anniversary. I don't even know what to call it, but it's our five years. Joe needs to send us something. <laughs> <laughs> Pinot Noir, just saying. There you go. Hi, Joe. That's how we celebrate. Yep. I would just like to say really quickly, thank you to all of our supporters at Lab Day that had our shirts on and the beanies on, and that was just really neat. Husband and wife teams, it was just so gratifying. What a good good time. It's amazing. I'm still riding the high, and what are we, two weeks later, three weeks later? I don't even know. No, we need to sell more shirts. <laughs> Over this time, I've actually been going through all that content we recorded at Lab Day. and. Oh. Just absolutely enjoying listening to the stories again and the laughs. Oh, it's great. Take a guess. How many hours do you think we recorded at Lab Day Chicago? Edited, ready to go. 20. Wow, no. (laughs) Felt like it sometimes, didn't it? I don't know. Six. Oh, hell, it felt like 20. Let me tell you. We worked our asses off. Good for us. I lost my voice about halfway through the day. Yeah, that was awesome. 20 hours. That would have been amazing. <laughs> now maybe you can chill out a little bit because you've got episodes that you don't have to stress about. So Yeah, we're to the point where we're going to ask someone to be on and it'll be released three months later. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm actually doing something exciting this weekend, which because this airs on Monday will be last weekend. But I'm actually taking my first hands-on course. Oh, my God. What I know. It's amazing. I've been to so many meetings that have hands-on courses. I've never signed up. I was online, and someone right. I know... On- you were yes. online? <laughs> Come on. Okay. Maybe it's more interesting if I tell you the times I'm not online. <laughs> <laughs> but there's somebody that posts online that they were teaching a course, and it was... It's like 30 minutes from my house. It was Marina Caponegro. She called me to tell me how to pronounce it. Good. And she's teaching it at a doctor's office. And she said she could ask the doctor, see if it was okay if I can sit in and do the hands-on course, which is all about doing all on four restorations and the contouring and all that. Derby was super supportive. They said, let's do it. Good for you. Yeah. So I reached out to her and we set it all up and I'm going to get my hands dirty and probably cut off a finger and uh, learn some uh, some actual work. Great. <laughs> now both of us will be working for once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's, it's the things that I've learned in the lab over 15 years, implants, treatment planning, all of that. Taking a burr to a green state zirconia to contour, I've never done it. It's going to be cool. I say congratulations. Way to grow. Thank you. Either it will be amazing or I'll just end up podcasting and that's all I'm going to do. Good. (laughs) So this week I had a great conversation with a police officer turned dental technician. Damn. So, Barb, this was a while ago. I don't remember what you were doing. Oh, I was working. Uh, Yeah, probably. You tend to do that a lot. (laughs) Yep. But I got to chat with Raul Garcia, who is one of the dental techs at the University of Oklahoma School of Dentistry. Raul had a super interesting path that brought him to the role of doing lab work for not even graduated dental students. Nice. Meeting a person that 3D scanned art while working at a security job sent Raul on a wild ride to the digital workflow in the medical field. Eventually, he found dental and now spends his time not only doing their work, but he also helps teach them. Raul talks about his journey, working with the students, all the self-learning he does, and what's really neat, some really cool and interesting research that he gets to participate in. It's some pretty neat stuff. So join us as we chat with Raul Garcia. If efficiency and performance are what you are looking for in a milling system, 
then the high-performance ProgerMill PM7 from Ivacar is the right choice for you. Equipped with a high-performance spindle, this high-powered 5-axis milling machine efficiently produces both wet and dry restorations. Ivacar provides white-glove delivery service, training, choice of service contracts, and their outstanding after-sales service and support. So contact your friendly Ivacar sales representative today and create a digital solution that's right for you. And just an FYI, I have this awesome PM7 mill in my laboratory, and I can vouch that it's an amazing machine. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Ivaclar. Hey, it's Candylor from Switzerland. Whether digital or analog, there are many ways to work in removable prosthetics, and you decide how you want to work at your bench. We provide you the materials to do so. With our new X-Molds of the PhysioSet TCR tooth line, you can cover a large part of your daily work. Whether complete dentures, partial dentures, or hybrid prosthetics, there is always a solution. Our Swiss School of Prosthetics in Springfield, Missouri, will be happy to teach you a few more things you learn for life, right? You'll be supported and supplied by our authorized dealer, Edmunds Dental Supply. Check out our website, candular.com. Candular, high-end only. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. How do you pronounce your name, Raul? Yep, yep. Uh, with the accent, it is Raul. Uh, Raul? Raul. So it's hard because you're, you're starting with like a soft rolling D. So it's Raul. It's hard because I'm me. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I was a contributor. Raul Garcia. <laughs> that's close enough. I'm going to go with it. Raul Garcia, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. It's that time of the semester. Things are picking up again. So getting acclimated to that post-holidays, but overall good. Yeah. So somebody recommended you to me, and we've had so many reschedules, I don't even remember who it was. But they said, you got to talk to this guy. He's from the University of Oklahoma, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. OU College of Dentistry. So let's get started into kind of how you fell into this role at a university. Yeah. How I fell into the role itself was I was uh, basically, let's see, how do I put this? I, I was sort of poached. Okay. Yeah. Nice. From my, my, previous, from my previous job in Dallas and... What they basically, they knew I was just open to any sort of opportunities. So they talked with me every once in a while, also because I knew surgeons at OU College of Dentistry from way back. Maybe we need to start at the beginning. How do you oh, know what? surgeons? <laughs> so, okay, so. Okay, so I don't know how far back you want to start now. Uh, sometime after the seventh birthday, but okay. no, I'm just kidding. No, let's <laughs> just, uh, like when you started getting in, I don't know, whatever led to this. Okay, I originally had a, uh, or I still do have a degree in criminal justice. It's a bachelor's of science. Interesting, okay. And I, I was a police officer for about four years. No uh, kidding. Dallas PD. You know, it, it was my desire to help others. I was in... I was. I grew up in a not so great uh, area, and I'm always moving, so I was always from one bad, bad neighborhood to another. Yeah, and my family was the recipient of a lot of social services and a lot of help, mm -hmm. food and shelter and things. So it was kind of natural for me to want to give back, and I saw that within influences from my extended family to be uh, to be law enforcement, possibly law, politics, etc. I joined the police department. I had a lot of connections because again, my extended family. So the people would think that as a pro, but it ended up being more of a con. I was kind of scrutinized for being related to people. Okay. Well, yeah. As some people, you know, that nepotism is a real thing. Yeah. But I rest assured that I did not get in through nepotism. It was my own efforts. After getting in and being there for a little while, I was transferred uh, every once in a while to a new sector or a new part of the city. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in Dallas PD's Southeast Division, and it's uh, nicknamed The Pit. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, of Pleasant Grove and what people would say, the Groveites. 
So it's pretty much the worst crime. And they say a year in Pleasant Grove is like five years anywhere else as a police officer. And they moved you there because you were like just good or no, I, 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 I try to weed you out or <laughs> I actually I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It was never spoken to me. Just do as you're told, eh? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the police way. You know, you listen to the brass, or there will be consequences sure. directly or indirectly. So I was there, and then at the end of it, towards my towards the end of my time there, I just I was just kind of um, completely done with it. I didn't see the benefits that I was contributing, and there was just a lot of influences to one's own identity and personality and values that begin to change. Sure. And I can only speak for myself. This could yeah. be kind of a, an exclusive thing. But when you are exposed to those things and you kind of have a childhood related, maybe, maybe that was it too. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't trying to relive my past. I was trying to grow. Yeah. So I, I get that. Right, right. So I eventually just, long story short there, uh, I was just, uh, I'm done with this. I need to get out of here. This is not what I thought I wanted. This is not what it played out to be. So I left and ended up working private security for a Crow family in Dallas, which they are the real estate folk there. They pretty much own downtown Dallas. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, billionaires. And I worked at their private art collection. I would uh, oversee some of the warehouse happenings and then the museums as well. Wow. Upon working there, just trying to find a new direction in life. I ran into this, I guess it's a uh, late teenager at this point, because he had just finished college, so early 20s, actually, then. Sure. And he was a, a biomedical engineer who was looking to become a surgeon. So I ran into him. We started talking because he had these really cool gadgets and devices with him. And it turns out he was there to get digital scans and copies of Mr. Crow's collection. Of his art? Yes. Interesting. I remember it was a Konicum and Nolta 3D scanner, like a tripod thing was huge and heavy. And he was just going through each part, each installment and, and, and uh, scanning the ones as he could. Of sculptures or paintings or both? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so the old Chinese vases. Oh, yeah. That's sure. even the right term. Yeah, I get you. And they have what, what I would describe as a bird's eye view of a maze, but it's all made out of this really, really deep blood red wood okay things yeah. like that very intricate beautiful artwork that i'm sure isn't officially theirs but <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it's to showcase it's to educate etc so sure so after being there for a while and talking to him he said hey um i'm about to go to he was somewhere in latin america maybe ecuador salvador something like that where mm -hmm. he was going to get hands-on experience as a surgeon so he was basically wanting to get experience before he officially joined med school. Are you talking oral surgeon or just surgeon in general? To be honest, I don't know exactly what he was doing. Okay. I don't, I don't recall, but I knew he was like, to get my leg up, I'm going to go to a, basically a third world country and learn from the pros. Yeah. I mean, you hear about that with dental implants, you know, a lot of courses overseas, but I don't know. Exactly. Can you go out and just do like hip after hip after hip somewhere? Yeah, I don't exactly. know. I don't yeah. know. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's all about who you know. Yeah. So he said, I'm going to go off and do this. You seem to know your stuff. Because I was in high school, I was into digital graphics and animations. Sure. I did a lot of 3D design. Yeah. And we were the, one of the only high schools to have Maya at the time which is a huge deal at the time. I don't know what that is. Is that just an animation program? Or? That's exactly it. Yeah. At yeah. the time, that's what Pixar was boasting about whenever they did like their Toy Story and things sure. like that. Um, you had it in your high school? Yes. And wow. you had to be handpicked for the program. And, and I, I absolutely loved it. You know, I just oh, I listen, listen to music all day and just work on 3D art. But, you know, I never pursued that because obviously the financial stability what I assumed it to be is exactly what happened because I, I know a few people who are in the gaming industry as designers and uh, modelers and such. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we get tossed aside all the time. Uh, we work for a short period of time under contract and then we're, then they kick us out. We're the first yeah. ones to go. Yeah. The appeal is not as nice as what it sounds like it would be. but Exactly. It's the, I get it. Yeah. The whole starving artist thing in real time, the, the tech version. Unless you're working on Grand Theft Auto, that's taken... 
yeah. 10 years to come out. <laughs> exactly. Then you're, you got a nice stable job for a while. I don't even play it. I keep seeing the memes about how long it's taking. So. Yes. 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 In comparison to even like cyberpunk. Apparently yeah. the, tr- the true origin is like 20, 30 years ago. That's of when they insane. Wanted to yeah. So I knew a bit about that. And that's that's mm-hmm. what got us talking, honestly, was the 3D technologies, uh, art and animations. And he said, I could put you a good word for where I'm at right now before I leave. And I said, yeah, that would be awesome, you know, because I'm looking for something new. So the company was called SculptCAD. Okay. Uh, rapid prototyping. And they started me as an intern. So needless to say, I took a huge pay cut to be an intern Yeah. to get started on something like that. And they did, uh, they had a 3D printer as a, a big one, a very high quality one. What year is this? Uh, this is two. 2013 okay so a while ago and yeah i mean 3d printing i'm just trying to put it into perspective what we have today yes back then i imagine it was quite impressive oh absolutely it was mind-blowing yeah. is to be honest i didn't even know what they looked like or you know that the technology true in its form i've never even thought about what that would look like sure and long story short it was just a huge oh man i want to compare it to like um the old school office printers the paper printers yeah yeah except it looked a lot cooler (laughs) those Um, things were huge yes yes and uh paper jams all the time yep so upon working with that they were impressed with what i was doing and they noticed that you know i had a degree so they were like okay that's good enough starting point sure so would you like to work with um the surgeon on staff and a surgeon who knows VSP, which is virtual surgical planning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely, especially if that is, you know gives me a real job here. Yeah. So I went under an apprenticeship program with them for their medical side of their company, which was called MedCAD. Was that paid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Mind good. you, not a whole lot. So. Yeah, but it's a step up for right. internship. Yeah. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> And yeah, at the end of all this, I do remember thanking the CEO personally for taking a chance on me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where that started. That's where I started to meet surgeons because virtual surgical planning, as I'm sure you know, is you set up a case using digital technologies and models and um, you know a, a workflow program that's sort of preset for you. Mm-hmm. And you just go through as if it were a surgery, but you're doing it all digital. Is this dental or are we doing all sorts of... Yep. Yeah. This is orthopedic and trauma. Wow. And I didn't realize they did that for... Mm-hmm. Tumor resection, fibula flap recon is my favorite. Sounds fancy. <laughs> it's also one of the most complicated ones. Is it like dental planning where, I mean, you take a CBCT scan or some sort of scan and then actually place the prosthetic or the whatever is going to be used in? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Exactly right. Except it's applied over different studies or different types of surgeries. Sure. But yeah, yeah, but you're absolutely correct. So... Uh, I did that and slowly climbed the ladder within the company. And then uh, with a lot of surgeons that I had been working with, like I said, for a long time, there was a surgeon here who really wanted me to come up. And to be honest, I pretty much denied him for a long time Mm -hmm. because I didn't, I was fine. It's really what it is. And I didn't have any interest in moving. Yeah. Upon some big transitions in my life, it started to ring a bell to saying, maybe I should try something else. Maybe I should do something else. And meeting with a few uh, personnel here, the higher ups, I'm trying to be vague just in case. <laughs> sure. I get you. No, it's all I, fine. I, I met with a few uh, uh, personnel here and you know they basically convinced me and made it worth my while to try a new adventure. And then that's how I got to the College of Dentistry as a CAD CAM specialist within the College of Dentistry. So did they have a CAD department set up? Uh, Sort of, yes. It was kind of in their uh, beginning stages. And they wanted you to come in even with zero true dental experience. That's only a part. I had experience from working with programs like 3Shape that were uh, intertwined with some of the stuff we were doing because we were doing orthognathic. And then we were playing, prototyping, and trying to incorporate things like jaw in a day. So like full surgical implants, lower, upper, and then um, 
how that would incorporate and how we can package that with our um, orthognathic surgeries as well. So the place in Texas, you were using three shape. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so Interesting. Using dental yeah, as okay. well. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's again, the CEO, she always had her ear, her ear to the ground, mm-hmm. seeing what's new, what's next. And she knew of other companies doing stuff like that and trying to stay ahead. So she's definitely doing the right thing on incorporating more dental services within our original uh, orthopedic orthognathic work. Yeah. So when the College of Dentistry in Oklahoma and they reached out to you, what was the initial offer for you to do? Just planning? No, to basically run uh, all the, the the 3D program within the school. Things like design, manufacturing, uh, and how that can apply to the student's education. So do you teach it? I assist in teaching since I don't have a certification nor a doctorate. Okay. Yep. I assist with uh, certain digital classes and also with manufacturing done within the building as well. Wow. So you walk in, what do they have? Do they even have a printer? Yes. Yes. They had two printers that were bought prior to my arrival and then two or three mills for for like uh, Emacs, et cetera. And then another machine that was donated, which is a very high quality one that they're using for research and for, you know, any sort of prototyping and such that incorporates with some of the students' thesis and, um, you know, anything that pertains to their graduation, which I think is really great. That is pretty cool. Let's talk about that. What exactly is being researched and do students get to participate in the research? Oh, absolutely. They're they're the ones uh, um, doing really most of the work. Okay. Yeah. While, while whoever, whoever the program they're under, they kind of uh, direct them while they get all the details. But so within the research itself, uh, there's a lot of groundwork and then there's a lot of um, actual repetition with scanning, mm-hmm. designing, and then the materials. So as of late, the one thing I do know that I know I can say is that uh, there's been a lot of research regarding the materials and how it responds to autoclave and certain sterilizations and then also how well it keeps its shape in comparison to the initial digital design. Um, so basically, oh. like the ultimate test of the accuracy of post-manufacturing. So you're talking about the difference between the, the milled product and the designed? That's right. Oh, and how much it's off. Mm-hmm. And we, we've, had, we've had a lot of different results, but we have to say, or I can say, on my own individual opinion here is the materials that cost more, there's usually a reason why. So <laughs> cause they're better. Yeah. I mean like, uh, you know, <laughs> capacity, this holding its form, uh, yeah. sometimes, sometimes a soft material is beneficial and then exposure, it'll start to bend or, or, uh, just change shape just enough. Meanwhile, you know, things like the tried and true, uh, PMMA you know, acrylic sort of, yep finishes and, and uh, pucks and things like that. Those things um, um, are, you know, as I said, tried and true. So it's it's hard to just break away and, and, and try new materials, new uh, polymers and things like that. But, the, you know, there's it, it depends on the design first off mm-hmm. and then on your materials, you know, costs and things like that and your intentions. So as a former, I guess by title, as a former biomedical engineer, you you need to know what you're doing before you even get started. Well, I think that's true even without the degree. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like intentions, right? Right. Yeah. That's, it. that's crazy. Trying to build a, a multi-stack bridge, but originally only starting with one, that's not going to go well. Yeah. So are, are, are these results being published somewhere? Are we going to find out certain materials we shouldn't really be using? Well... To my knowledge, um, there's been three publishings from students that I worked with personally. Oh, nice. uh, unfortunately, I don't don't know exactly where they are. Yeah, especially because it's you know it's it's academic, so their intentions is to help their education and research. But I don't, I actually don't know where that goes. Yeah, interesting. Well, I, even if someone gave me the article, it'd probably be too wordy for me. So it's like, very, it's very wordy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very wordy. More pictures, less words. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What are you doing right now? I mean, you're assisting teaching, but is there a clinic? Do you do the work? Yes. So my current role has been to manufacture certain parts, crowns, night guards, 
guides and things like that uh, mm-hmm. as needed. But because of that, sometimes I will go into the clinics and see the patients themselves for whatever reason at the request of their doctor. Because, you know, obviously you have a group of students and then you have a qualified uh, surgeon or dentist who's nearby to check yep. the work, to verify, to give input. So in, in some cases, I'll just be called in to help not only with scanning, but also with uh uh, I'll say lightly, some decision making on what's the best route to go yeah, pertaining to nice. my experience. Yeah. yeah, I bet you they appreciate that input. I would hope. <laughs> yeah, the students definitely do. They're really good. I uh, that was a big perk for me is I, I wanted to get into the educational realm because unlike the police work, I felt like this was actually being a seed well planted for you know to help them grow. Yeah, proactive rather than reactive. Kinda. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that they're scanning, so the school's got intraoral scanners. Yes, yes. Which one are they using? So we had we had a three shape. Oh, the trios. Uh, yes, and then I think we've been with the prime scan as of late. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, they're good overall. Dentsply's been um, ahead of the curve upon with a, a, a prototype I saw recently, which I can't actually say anything. So a <laughs> as prototype I'm for it, a new scanner? Oh, printer. That goes oh, with printer. it. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> yep. yep. Endless. Yep. Never ends. So companies actually use you and your facility for testing out prototypes. Uh, yes. And it also depends on how that ties in with their intentions as far as for educational purposes as well. And that that's probably, that's probably the best way it ties in, actually, is, hey, can you use this for educational purposes? And they'll talk and they'll say, yeah, I think we can. We'll see how it goes. And for the most part, they'll just ask, how is it going? Can you give us feedback? Yeah. How often are you teaching in classes? Is that every day? Uh, No, definitely not every day. They have a very robust schedule and the students are just constantly, constantly busy, which is a good thing. It shows shows, uh, how much goes into it. But as far as uh, assisting and teaching, it's probably once a class a semester including summer semester. Okay. So that can vary. I could be really busy for a solid month and a half and then only be kind of busy with classes mm-hmm. for like once every three weeks or so. It all depends on um, whoever the director of that class on how they see they want to incorporate me. Okay. Yeah. And what you're teaching is digital dentistry, right? That's right. That's correct. So how do you introduce that to students? I, I imagine nowadays they're already pretty keen to it and excited for it yes and of course uh, some of the brightest are usually ahead of the curve and they're like oh i've i've worked with these scanners and printers before Mm -hmm. for years before i got here they're pretty humble about it so it's not like they're trying to tell me they know better sure as far as that goes you just say you know just introduction or the introduction to the actual technology itself and what it's doing like the actual technology things in consideration of wet like the amount of moisture on on the scan for the mm-hmm. like, in the patient's mouth and saliva, and how that can affect your scan negatively. Yeah. So you go into details such as that, and the technology itself of that is literally just a very high tech camera that is recording video, but with a laser to determine the depth. And that's that's basically what a scanner is is a camera with a laser to determine how far away the object is in relation to the camera itself. So things like that, how it works, benefits, you know, how it affects one's workflow and even the investment of, because the good thing is, especially with the uh, OU College of Dentistry is they're very optimistic and very determined to make the digital dentistry world work for the students directly, because you can always get an alternate impression and you can always do things and pour ups and mm-hmm. there are their benefits as well. But as far as like cost benefit and overall time invested, you know, it's the whole reason why we have computers and so much digital technology is the benefits of how much that can save you time and money. So we don't go in there and advertise things to them, yeah. but we do let them know this is a technology like most things. Here are the benefits. This is what, this is why we're going to do it. And this is why you should use it. So from the college perspective, financially, it makes sense to have an intraoral scanner. Yes, absolutely. It's a two-sided coin out in the real world. Not that I don't agree, but I'm saying there's a lot of dentists that don't see that financially. 
right? And a lot of that is a lack of education in in the technology itself and being able able to weigh the cost benefits in their desired term. Because if they're like, I'm going to sell this my practice in two years what do i care that makes sense to me yeah but if it's if it's more than a couple of years sometimes even less then you know it's something that's very beneficial you don't save all your money just from impression material exactly a lot of it's just time and And what's more valuable to us oh absolutely it's all about chair time that's right or as as someone used to say to me asses and seats there you go. Yep, warm bodies. Police used to say warm bodies. We need yeah. we need more warm bodies out there. Obviously, you teach more than just the scanning. You get into they actually do the design. They actually do the manufacturing of it. That is sort of case by case because there isn't any sort of formal lecture for that. But the availability is not only with myself, but another doctor on staff, Doctor Shedded. Mm-hmm. He will have students go and work with him as uh, individually to design and manufacture uh, Emacs crowns and things like that. Oh. So there okay. so as of right now there is no formal lecture for it, but the resources are there depending on the student, depending on what situation they're into cuz context is really important starting from the patient's needs and then that kind of decides your whole path. And you participate in a lot of that talking about what the patient's needs are and the workflow to go with it. Right, right. Uh, mainly when it pertains to myself as a resource to them. Because mm-hmm. if if they're not doing anything digital, then they'll never come across my uh, my lab. <laughs> Are there students that don't do digital? Like, is that an option? Like, you don't even want to deal with it? I'm not sure. I can't imagine anyone graduating without doing that. Yeah. But I, I've... Well, <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes there are members of the educational front that are not completely open to the mm-hmm. technology but the students themselves with but that doctor will say you can do you can make the decision and usually the student is okay i'm going to do it digitally then yeah i would imagine that age group be all about that yes exactly yeah. and it's and just as predicted the older generation is usually more hesitant on making that happen sure sure we know how it goes <laughs> right. When the students get the opportunity to work one-on-one with you or that doctor, do they usually take advantage of it or is it usually It depends on the uh, on who's doing it. Like I said, some students who come in with prior experience and they know how quickly it's going to be, they know how efficient mm-hmm. the system will be, so they're all about it. Uh some people will hesitate and, you know, not take advantage of it as much as it could be. And then some, again, will just very passively have the student decide on what they want to do because they're not interested in digital. Yeah. Are these students actually required to make a denture? Because I'm hearing more and more schools, they don't have to anymore. (laughs) That's a good question. To my knowledge, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, good. Um, Right, exactly. But I can see that dwindling, not within the school, but it, it, it makes sense to me that uh, you're saying that in other parts, that's becoming a thing where they're not having to work with dentures. But how much of a dentist are you if you don't know how to do a denture, you know? Yeah, one would think it would be a good portion of your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, I only do crowns. And yeah, implants. sounds like you'd be turning a lot of people away. Are you doing any digital dentures yet? Personally, no. But the design of it is uh, I do have experience with. And... Uh, not to mention the you know there's a lot of labs out there that are trying to pull that business into them. Oh sure. Because if you guys don't want to do it, we'll happily do it. Mm-hmm. We'll find the right rate to charge you, and then and then you know that'll help us in the end. So where did you get your experience doing it? If they're not doing it at the school, I learned on my own, and then also prior to coming to the College of Dentistry. Okay, so that place that was in Texas that was scanning was doing dentures and full arch and yeah, it was it was hybrids. more of my my own inquiries into what I was assigned to do as a at the time mm-hmm. I was I was doing more project management and it was hey we're going to incorporate three shape hey learn how to do this hey learn how to do that so I did yeah that's cool what's your day like I mean if you're not teaching are you just doing lab work are you the only lab person. I'm the only digital lab person, yes. Okay. So usually I'll get in, I'll confer with the manager. Uh, he's he's pretty great. Uh, he 
basically is managing all intake and outtake, input and output, mm -hmm. and uh, see if he needs anything directly from me. But other than that, it's usually emails, and then design, upload, transfers, and then downloads and uploads. So really just a very digital experience. And then also doing things like quality assurance and looking into our feedback and things like that. But you mentioned that there's a analog lab there. Uh, yes. And right now there's only one tech there because, you know, the, the analog world is uh, diminishing pretty quickly with the introduction of the digital technologies, of course. So is that one technician only doing removable? Yes. Among other things, you know, just general experience and being a resource to students is if they have any additional questions, she's really good about it. Yeah. But you're pumping out all the work. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it like that. No, she's she's do, she works hard. Uh, she has a larger workload, I think, than most people in the building. But it's just more like at the needs of the student, uh, at the students, because uh, you know, on occasion I'll have downtime as well, uh, and then I'll I'll make myself available to students until I'm buried in work again. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that's how the cycle is from beginning of the semester to the end of semester. <laughs> so they basically walk in, see all your case pans, and that's how they know if you're busy or not. <laughs> no, they don't care. They're still going to ask <laughs> questions. Of course. <laughs> yeah, they're still going to say, hey, I need this. Well, I'm busy. Well, this will be really quick. Yeah. I'm sure it will. Always. Yep. Are the students seeing the public? Are you doing that work? Uh, yes, of course. It's, uh, that's all the clinical work is. Okay. I think they start that their third year. And, and of course, under the supervision of faculty and staff. So are you also doing the work for their classes and clinical? Yes. Wow. That seems like a lot. <laughs> Best way. Okay. So if I could spread out my work from the beginning of the semester to the end, it would be a, a pretty smooth flow of work, but that's not how yeah, the no. semester works. So, Or how it works in a, any commercial lab. It's a good point. <laughs> it's a good point. But basically, during certain holidays, sorry, right before certain holidays, I'll just get a bombardment of work. And then sometimes it's, it's pretty low volume, mm -hmm. and then it'll ramp up to an extreme for a little while. So it's all over the place as far as frequency. Yeah. Any of the uh, students, when they graduate, do they ever come back for your help? Well, that's a good question. Honestly, I don't know. I I feel like there may be limitations there. Yeah. Maybe even legal, but I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Because you can't, I, I would think that you can't educate students and then provide them a service commercially from the educational institute you came from it seems like that sounds like a no monopoly. yeah i don't think they could pay you to work but i right. just meant you know here's a resource let me let me just ask them kind of situation yeah that's a good question i bet there is but i don't yeah. get those phone calls so yeah. somebody else probably does <laughs> i imagine you're keeping up with technology I'm, I'm sure you're not using the same printer that you had when you got there right that's that's correct we're kind of plateauing though i think as far as the technology goes, I feel like a lot of companies have focused more on material usage, yeah. resins. I would totally agree with that, yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, which which is okay, because when we plateau, it means someone else is about to peak. True. It means some company that's been working on something is about to release something. You mentioned a dense supply printer. I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll not be our next peak. Yeah, I think I, I hope so. There are lots of things to consider because these things aren't perfect. No, no, they're not. Right. And so they, they have a lot of room for for improvement. But as we were saying is uh, when they start focusing more on like materials and resin, then you start pulling away from the technology itself while others are focusing more on that. Do you get to play around with the different resins? Uh, sure, but I wouldn't say play. It's a little too, <laughs> too, a little too volatile for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Sorry. Research. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> Experiment. I've done a few things, not not only calibration pieces and tools, but things like uh, for fun, just to see how how the layer lines and 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 how the layers are placed. So for calibration, I'll just have fun and make yeah. stuff, and not to mention other parts of the of the building other doctors and personnel will will ask for my assistance as well and and when available I'll I'll help them print out some some cool stuff like for other medical reasons 
Well, let me think. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it would be for their clinical or research purposes. Anything cool, like a, a human hand or something? Well, one of them was trying to outline the material teeth from a puck. There are some mill pucks that have different layers mm-hmm. of material that are, you know, um, molded into one piece, and then you can you can mill dentures that way. Yep, yep. Uh, I motion, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I was asked to basically do what looked like a, a mutant mouth with different layers of and different kinds of teeth to showcase the uh, variability of that one puck. Yeah. It basically just looked like an alien upper. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. cool. That and then for some reason um a chromium cobalt like full arch. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Okay, I'm down for that. Oh, like a denture made out of Yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll do fun stuff for my own like I said for calibration for fun I'll do uh like a Lego Homer. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Baby Yoda. We've all printed that. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That show and printers came out at the exact right time. Oh, right. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's like gizmo. Yep. <laughs> so what's next for the school? Anything exciting that you're looking forward to? Anything that's coming up? Well, I guess more of the implementation into a formal uh, way of uh, not only the just the digital technologies, but the education behind it and stuff. I think we're trying to, for, well, actually, from what I actually know, mm-hmm. we're trying to incorporate more of the digital work, more of the digital workflow and its incorporation directly into the education. In my opinion, we're still we're still ramping up. We're still trying to get there to where it's the norm and trying to steer away from alternate impressions and things like that, which they would still have their use, I know. Yeah, yeah. But to standardize the digital work format will, I think, is becoming more and more of a a, a formal thing, especially for the near future. Well, I imagine still the whole school is teach analog first so you understand it and then digital. Absolutely. Yes. It'd be Um, nice if we could just go straight to digital and not define the two, you know? Right. No, you're absolutely right. One of the doctors told me at one point, he goes, I just like to teach things. And I love this fancy stuff, but I always ask them, what happens if the power goes out? You should be able to complete your entire workup <laughs> that way. And I'm like, well, in Oklahoma, that's definitely something to consider. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean. What if the power goes out? If you live your whole life like that, you won't do anything. Uh, uh, waiting on the power. Uh, yeah. If, scared of like, the power. Yeah. Right? If a power goes out in a dental lab, we don't all go back to hand waxing. Right. You know? I mean, Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, yeah. don't take a, a knife to a puck and start carving out teeth. I, mean, I guess you could try. You could. You wouldn't get very far. No. <laughs> that's kind of that serves another question that came to mind, or another technology is what happens if you're raised on an electric car? Could you drive a, a manual transmission uh, ICE, which is internal combustion engine? Well, driving a manual—that's a whole other ball game in itself, right? I don't know. Yeah. So, I, you know, the you see as the intentions are good, but at the same time, efficiency is um, is what helps speed everyone forward. Mm-hmm. What do you see students struggling with the most when they're introduced to digital? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm thinking of all these dentists that are just now getting scanners and stuff. And, you mm-hmm. know, they've been in practice for 20 years. And, I mean, they just struggle sometimes. And I'm wondering if what you see since you get to teach it, constantly i think it's explaining the technology itself as i was saying earlier i think if you tell them it's a camera that incorporates distance and understanding what what the capabilities are and what you can get out of it Mm -hmm. i think that would be the best way to kind of see things from their perspective because everyone sees technology as like this this magical fix all your problems solution but it just gives you new problems. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly can. Absolutely. But it's kind of like regarding a lot of things. When something new comes out, it's marketed that it can solve all your problems. And when it doesn't, that's when they have a hard time placing it back into its utility. Oh, that yeah, that's a great point. So I think that's that's probably where they're struggling is you said this was going to help 
but it's not helping. And, you know, for time or for whatever, or something wrong with the, the scanner or the, I don't know, the operating system or something like that. And so I think it's more about education, like uh, letting them know what its capabilities and what the technology is before you start throwing buzzwords at them. That's a great point. I mean, I can't tell you how many dental offices I've been into and they're like, yeah, I got a, an old blue cam back there. I spent a hundred thousand on and it never worked and I'm pissed and I never want to do it again. And you're like, man, it's, it's a lot better now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then they, yeah, they feel like they were duped. Yeah. Of course they feel. And actually they were just a early adapter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing is whenever, that's what a lot of um, salesmen don't want to, or saleswomen don't want to really throw into the mix is this is a new technology. So there will be unique situations mm. uh, that you might not want to, or m- might not foresee. We, we're going to need you to work out these bugs for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. It's a very real thing. I mean, look at Tesla. It's taken them 10 years to have a solid product that's, you know, yep. consistent. Yep. I mean, when digital dentures first came out, I remember the owner of my lab wanted to get on it. I'm like, nope, let everyone else figure all this stuff out. And right. uh, it would be a lot easier for us later. And now it's a lot easier. And back then, it was a, it was a struggle for a lot of people. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and when, one of the unique problems with scanners in, in a school is what does your network look like? Oh, yeah. And then things like HIPAA and obviously the privacy considerations, not only for like the workups and, you know, people's actual medical records, but, you know, just the patient's general information that's so important to keep safe. Uh, there's a lot that goes along with that with IT and cybersecurity. So trying to work through a cybersecurity program and firewalls left and right and then have a, a networked scanner uh, is a, is something that we have uh, had unique experience with, but we're actually doing really well with it now. So just a simple patient name, you couldn't send through the scanners like connection service or whatever. You said you had PrimeScan, so Serret Connect, you weren't able to use that? Y- yes, we can, because that's more, that's a newer feature into our network. And that's all HIPAA locked down and everything. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. They've done a tremendous job, I have to say. IT has done a tremendous job, campus and within the building, of locking a lot of that stuff down. Yeah, because, you know, we don't want to find out someone's name that they're getting a tooth. Right. <laughs> I did a visual eye roll that nobody saw. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> Are you just using three shapes still, or have you gone on to ExoCAD or any of that? Oh, no, I've learned ExoCAD on my own. Yeah. Uh, and then you do a lot of self-studying, don't you? Yeah, I try. I try to keep myself and stimulated in that way because you know it's it's a it's a part of technology and the way the industry grows is you got to just you got to stay on top of it. Otherwise, you're going you're to get left behind. Oh, absolutely. So ExoCAD, I deal a little bit of Blue Sky for mm-hmm. implants, but it, it's pretty basic minus the placement. I hate placing implants personally. In Blue Sky or just in general? This in general. Really? It's just, yeah, that's why I'm like, just have me design a guide. Let's just let me just design a guide, and we'll be everything will be fine. Uh, so ExoCAD, three shape, a little bit of blue sky. I'm trying to think of another one. Mex Mixer, Mex Mixer. Oh, Mex Mixer, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mex Mix Mix Mesh Mix Mesher. Mesh Mixer. Mesh Mesh Mixer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not okay. drinking. I swear. I, I hope that guy got fired. <laughs> Well, we're stuck with it now. It's it's already registered, so we can't do anything about it. <laughs> I try to be open to different because uh, it's like a language. The more languages you speak, the better off you are. You're, you're going to be regarding sure. being able to do things the way any other company or any other uh, dental office or any other person. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I like to work with this. Well, you're in luck. I know how to do that too. Yeah, and I imagine as students come in, they all come from different experiences. Absolutely. And being able to speak their language. Any of them come in with lab experience? Yes. Yeah, uh, that's always good. Yep. And they're usually pretty great. They're particularly considerate to the lab's efforts, mm-hmm. and that's great to have. Yeah. And the ones that don't even know you exist. Yep, yep. And the ones who just yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> You're still a student there, buddy. Calm down. 
Yep, exactly, exactly. And for the most part, I, I lean on the optimism of their intentions. Yeah. But sometimes it's, you know, they say, oh, this was supposed to be back today and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, yes, I get it. I get it. But that part of the country is covered in snow and they have not been able to get a plane off the ground in three days. <laughs> so it's like, it's it's not me, I promise. So you guys do outsource work? Yes, in, in some situations for yeah. for capacity, uh, for the sake of capacity, yeah. Yeah, so you have a lab you work with. Uh, yes, we're always open to it. Not only for like the conveniences, but also to kind of have different input as well. Mm-hmm. Because that's also how we network, or personally, what I get from it, and uh, looking ahead, it, it helps me know what other labs are doing, what materials, and what machines they're using too. And that's always that's always good to know. Yeah. Do you, you use a lab there in Oklahoma or all over? All over in in state and out of state. Nice. How do you keep up on all the technology other than magazines and the internet? I mean, do you get to go to trade shows? Does the school send you places? And uh, yes, I, I've been to LMT a couple times. Yeah, nice. uh, lab, and and usually, I mean, being a school, people will just show up. <laughs> people will just say, "Have you heard of this?" And I'll say, "No," and then they, you know, they'll have their sales bit. And I'll listen, I'll, I'll hear them out, and then I'll say, okay, well, sorry, I'm not the guy to talk to about that. But yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting me know. And then at least you know about it now. Yeah, exactly. I imagine a lot of people come in and try to sell stuff to schools. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And the school's really good about that, I have to say. They're, they they have good gatekeeping. I mean, that almost literally is just like, all right, you got to go through the formal channels, you got to yep. talk to this guy, you got to talk... And then if they decide to give you a tour, if they decide to let you talk to certain people, then they'll do so. Nice. Lab Day Chicago, are you going to be able to go this year? Uh, no, not this year. Yeah. I really hate it that they always have it in like the coldest months in one of the <laughs> coldest, coldest cities, known as the Windy City. Yes, yes. And it's all so they can get, it's cheaper, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I feel, I feel like maybe they actually don't like dentists and they're just <laughs> punishing them or being rude about Isn't it, it weird but whatever yeah i don't know yeah, exactly. i think the dentist started it because it was available and cheaper that that month than any other month yeah because <laughs> nobody wants to go to chicago in february <laughs> yeah we got lab day west if you wanted to go to that out in california oh i oh, never even heard of that yeah they do a west in the east they're about a fourth of the size uh, yeah is it only for the cali guys no anybody can go but generally, only California people go. That's why it's yeah, smaller. They have their own little network. I've, yeah. I've worked out there many times. Yeah. So this is great. I, I mean, I had no idea so much was going on in the uh, Oklahoma University College of Dentistry. I didn't realize it was so digital. Yep. It's something I have to say a, a previous dean was very aggressive about, and I respect that. I appreciate that. He was looking. He's looking ahead. And he was just like, we need to do this, guys. We don't want to get left behind. We want to be able to provide that level of consideration and service to the students because, you know, these kids are going to be our dentists. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's be respectful to that. Yeah, you can't send them out to the world not knowing anything about digital, especially when 90% of the fixed work in labs is digital. Exactly. They got to be involved and. I think it's good that a technician is able to teach it. I think that's huge. And uh, not to put all the responsibility on you, but we yeah. expect these dentists coming out knowing uh, how to take a scan. <laughs> yep, yep. And this last year, this last semester, uh, I've had uh, more, even more help from uh, other faculty and doctors as well. And they're very insistent on the technology and making sure the students benefit it as well, so they've they've been a uh, they've been a, a, a real big help. Yeah, with that. How worried should we be about the dentists that graduated the COVID years that didn't get that clinical <laughs> experience? No, <laughs> I think it may, if if there's any shortcomings, it's got to be a nationwide thing. Oh yeah, it's not Oklahoma alone. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm asking a general question. Yeah, I I would be more fearful of the uh, surgeons. That came yeah, out of that's a good point. Yeah, um, 
And it's not but, just dental either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to know and, what year you graduated when you replaced my knee. <laughs> that's, you <know>? right. <laughs> that's right. We have you have your COVID questions. I have mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I hate to say it, but it, there's it's based on the individual. Because yeah, I know during the stuff that we could do during COVID, there were some really bright kids who were going above and beyond to make sure that they were still getting the education sure. to its maximum capacity. And that's when I was getting actually a lot more visitations from students wanting to know the digital stuff personally. Oh, I see. Yeah. So those, those, those kids were great. And they're, I'm, I know they're successful right now because I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen their work uh, outside of graduation mm-hmm. and yeah. And personally, I actually, my dentist is a former student. So oh, nice. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much credit that gives, but that that guy is uh, he's a genius. Oh, Dennis love when their lab technician goes to them <laughs> so can prove personally. Oh yeah, they think it's the biggest honor. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that, but I mean, no wonder why he treats me so well. Yep. <laughs> well, Raul, Raul, Raul. <laughs> Wait, where where are you from? I'm from basically Indiana. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that explains the, the middle of nowhere Midwest. Okay. Yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> I don't even try. How long have you been doing this? Dental lab? More so the podcast work. We'll be up on five years here. Nice. Coming up, yeah. Real soon. That's good to hear. I see you. So you have a real passion for it, huh? I absolutely love it. I mean, I fell into it not knowing a darn thing about it. Part-time job, and it just... I haven't looked back. Nice. It's always so inspiring when I hear someone successfully follow their passion. Yeah. I had no idea I even had it either. That's the weird thing. I bet it didn't show up to your 30s, huh? Uh, very true. Yep. That's that's when that happens, I swear. is uh, You know, it's uh, kind of going on. I, to avoid a tangent, I'll do my best. Yeah, okay. Um, but, <laughs> if but you need I, to, feel free. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I feel that there's a lot of distractions getting up all the way to college, getting a degree, et cetera. And we don't really have time to really measure who we are until to your thirties or so. I agree to that. You have to live life a while. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then I don't even think I will have the same outlook on life in 10 years from now, maybe even five. Yeah, that's probably true. Before I got into a dental lab, I was slinging pizzas, you know? Oh, Hey, everybody loves pizza, though. I know, but it's not the life I wanted. Right. I had to get there or fall there before I needed to get kicked to do something else. Oh, I hear that. I mean, that's it's good to know, though, that, that, that life came at you and you grabbed onto it and said, okay, let's do this. Yeah. You ever miss being a cop? Uh, <laughs> um, very rarely. Yeah. I miss the perks of uh, restaurants and... Certain services. Yeah. Um, but so wait, 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 wait a minute. We're taking advantage of this for a moment here. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, we're getting off of dental. Podcast is still going. You get to eat for free? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Majority of places just, it was a professional courtesy thing. No kidding. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of benefits there. There's other benefits So when too. they came into the pizza place and I charged them, is that why they pulled me over all the time? Yes, probably. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they... Trust me, the cops in your area know where to go, where not to go. Interesting. And also, like, they'll make a note and say, don't lose your eyes on the cook here. Yeah. They'll say, you know, ask for this person. Oh. Yeah, or don't go. Yeah, there's just places you just straight up can't go. Don't go on Tuesdays. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly, and and for for many reasons too. Also, because like one of like uh, one of the supervisors kids works there don't go there oh i see yeah <laughs> so the networking is pretty good it sounds like oh man the networking in police is tremendous it's very close-knit that's why um that's why there's a high divorce rate yeah because their lives are really really is the badge more than their own families yeah and for that i respect i mean i totally have a respect for police officers I could never do it myself but yeah i tried proved that i couldn't so. yeah yeah, at least you, you went that route. I couldn't even, I wouldn't even try. So. It was a unique experience, uh, and I certainly have a respect for them. Yeah, I bet you do. And obviously there are certain situations where things got out of hand, especially with the whole 
camera era. Mm, yeah. Just like anything, literally anything in any industry at any time, there's always going to be people like that. Yeah. Interesting. Raul, thank you so much. I appreciate you. That was a great conversation. I had no idea. Again, all those great things happen at uh, Oklahoma University, and we appreciate you. I appreciate you having me, Elvis. It's a hell yeah. of a name, and you wear it well. <laughs> Thanks. So, because I'm, my dad was a huge Elvis fan, so I know, and my sister's obsessed. Really? So I yeah. know more than I care to know about the name's yes. cultural significance of Elvis. <laughs> Not you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're great. It's a name that has a blessing and a curse. Like people, I figured. Will, they'll remember you. Even if you do bad, so they never forget the name. So. As I remember, his name was Elvis. Yeah. All right, but man. Thanks. Yeah, thanks we appreciate it, and uh, hope to run into you sometime. Yes, sir. You just uh, you hit me up anytime you need anything I can help with. Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And a huge thank you to Raul for coming on our podcast. I'm really sorry that I missed that amazing interview. But I do, I got to say, I have a lot of respect for technicians that have to deal with students, that's for sure. We thought it was hard working with new dentists after they graduate. We couldn't even imagine working with them before they graduate. Really sounds demanding. But keep up the great work and keep showing those students the proper way to work with a lab. They need all the help they can get. Yes, they do. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all we got for you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. speechless i was like oh i know you were and that doesn't happen uh okay